Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey everybody, welcome to Marriage of Martinis. I'm Adam, here is Danielle. Hello. Uh, I, ooh, I, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> we do not have our stuff together right yeah, now. Yeah, our stuff together. Uh, yeah, I just got back from a girls weekend. Thank you very much, Adam. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am ready to get into bed. I, I Thankfully, am, we are only recording an intro right I'm now. ready to get into bed myself. Right. I was taking care of the kids. You? Doing all the parental responsibilities the parental responsibilities <laughs> yeah. how'd that go for you uh, i was not used to it so it was kind of a little bit of a battle but I, I got through it you did great you did really great my only i posted something on instagram <laughs> i get a picture ian had two bar mitzvahs like back to back on saturday um and i i get a picture from him with his friends and all his friends are like in these really cute Button-down polos and oh, khaki. Oh, were they really? Yes, and khaki Wait pants. Wait a minute. We're doing these. And you're wearing, and he's wearing an Under Armour tank top <laughs> and sport shorts. And I was like, please tell me you told all your friends that your mother is away this weekend. Wait a minute. But we're, no, I want to give you credit. You did great. Who cares about the outfit? The kids are all doing drive-by bar mitzvahs and birthday parties. and Like, nobody's dressing this up. Was this was a party. I hour. know, but they're all... all right. Anyway, yeah. okay. getting back to getting back. But yes, you did fantastic. Thank, Thank you. you so much. It was a wonderful weekend. Um, I had a great time. Good. And now we are we've been doing this four part series on women's health. We did uh, an episode about pregnancy loss, our own story with pregnancy a few weeks ago, which was serious. But also, if you haven't listened, we there were definitely like a bunch of lighter moments. It's worth the listen for sure. And now for the third episode, uh, this one is about infertility which is actually the only topic we're covering that didn't really affect us. Um, however, uh, if people have been listening, you know that we by no means had uh, an easy experience with uh, pregnancy and postpartum and everything. So um, I wanted to still do, do infertility because I myself really want to still learn about it. And did you know that 50% of couples lie, still lie about uh, going through treatments because of the shame. They'd rather lie about it than admit to having issues. That's how that's how great the stigma still is. And it breaks my heart that we live in a society where you still have to feel shame about something like this. Um, so I had reached out to Ovia Health a couple months ago because I'm so impressed with their apps. I'm so impressed with what they do. Um, Mia and I have been using their uh, their apps to track our periods for a long time. And I know people who uh, like live by their fertility apps and their parenting apps. So I reached out to them um, and asked if they would you know, sponsor these episodes as a resource for everybody. 
um, and they are free. They have helped millions of women and families on their fertility, pregnancy, and parenting journeys. We have a link uh, on in our, uh, what's what do we call that? The comments section of the... the no, the podcast notes. So when you oh, download yeah, 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 the yeah, podcast, you, you see the description of the notes. It's all in there. Right. Yeah. So today we have Christine Peter who empowers Ovia Health users with information and resources to support them on their fertility journey. Christine has over 12 years of experience in labor and delivery setting and five years of experience in a fertility setting, working primarily with patients using third-party reproduction, such as donor egg and surrogacy. Um, I loved talking to her. We had a great conversation. And I think you and I both learned so much. We got to ask her all of our audience's questions also, which was great. She goes over misconceptions with us and gives us so much great information. After this episode, we have one more episode in the series uh, in a couple of weeks, which will be with an amazing doula all about postpartum. So thank you guys so much for you know supporting us going through these episodes. I think it's such an important topic. Um, one which so many of us suffer from, but there is so little out there just to show that we're not alone. And um, I hope that these episodes are making you all feel some of that. So please enjoy Christine Peter from Ovia Health. And yeah, enjoy. All right. Well, thank you so much, Christine, for being with us. You're very welcome. It's my pleasure. And I know you're from Ovia Health, uh, but do you want to tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into um, fertility and everything and like what made you so, you know, interested in in pursuing that path? Sure. Um, So my name is Christine Peter. I um, have been a registered nurse for about 12 years now. Um, Most of that has been in labor and delivery, maternal newborn. Um, and then about four or five years or so have also been in fertility, um, specifically in third party, which means donor egg, donor sperm, IVF, um, then a little bit of like general IVF, IUI um, stuff as well, but mostly in third party reproduction. Um, I'm a health coach at Ovia Health, which is a fantastic app. Um, we, you know, the mission is to educate and inform women and just be a great resource for um, reproductive health, pregnancy, parenting, um, and it's just a great company, great mission, and just a great app as well. That's awesome. Uh, we've been doing a um, a series on everything from you know pregnancy loss. Uh, we're having a doula on. Adam and I just did an episode about what I went through with my pregnancy, which was a ton of mental health issues. We went through pregnancy loss. Um, The one thing we haven't really touched upon is infertility. And Adam and I, we had so many challenges with pregnancy and even labor and delivery and everything. But infertility is not something that we ourselves experienced. I think when you don't experience something yourself, unless maybe someone really close to you is experiencing it, you don't do that much research about it. Sure. So as much as I feel like I always researched so much about pregnancy um, and I researched a lot about pregnancy loss, I did not do the same thing with fertility. But I do have a lot of friends who have gone through it. And I do feel like I want us, like our podcast and everything, to be a safe space for everybody to talk about everything they're going through. But the one thing we spoke about in one of our last episodes was that when we were growing up, this the we had what, what I refer to as fear-based sex ed, which is basically like mm-hmm. if you have sex, you're going to get pregnant. And so, you know, don't have sex until you're married. And if you do, you're probably going to be pregnant or you're going to get an STD. Or 
And so because they follow that path when they're teaching us, we don't learn, you know, that it's actually not easy to get pregnant. Right. No, it was it was like the anti-sex ed. It was, you know, <laughs> here's all the bad things that can happen if you have sex. Yes. You know, or, so. so how do you think that affects the fact that when we're growing up, I think a lot of us don't even realize that it actually isn't that easy to get pregnant? Oh, my goodness. You know, it's great that you bring that up because... I talk to people every day who are in their 30s and 40s, and they still have absolutely no idea how the reproductive cycle works, when you can get pregnant, how hard it is to get pregnant. Because you're, you know, you're right, like when you're teaching teenagers, and I don't know how old your kids are, but you know, it's just when your kids are teenagers, you kind of want to put a little fear in them and be like, no, don't have sex ever, because it could result in pregnancy, which, you know, is not entirely true. Um, I mean, I, I was just talking to a patient the other day who was like 41, recently divorced, like recently having sex again. And she had had sex, like, I don't know, maybe three days ago. And then she got her period and she was calling for a pregnancy test. She was like, well, I can still be pregnant. Right. Because even though I got my period, that doesn't mean I'm not pregnant. And, and I, I was so surprised. I'm like, no, that's actually, that's not how it works at all. Um, and she was an educated, like middle to upper middle class, you know, woman raised, born and raised in the U S like similar cultural background, but she just, I mean, seriously had absolutely no idea. And I think that's not uncommon to just have no clue how this all works and how to conceive and how not to conceive. Right. I, I definitely feel sort of like that. And I feel like when, when we were trying for a baby, we were just like having sex. So we, there was no, we didn't have a strategy or a, no, I mean, there, was, there was no research. It was just, right. let's have sex and let's hope we get pregnant. Right. Yeah. Which is fine too. You know, a lot of times right. that works. <laughs> right. But um, yeah, that, that just is always so shocking to me that we are still, I mean, you asked how old our kids are. We do have a teenager and mm-hmm. I'll tell you sex ed is not that different today than it was, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And I don't even think like it's that different than it was when our parents were going through and maybe a little bit, but they're they're not getting a whole ton of information that's going to help them if they don't follow the exact path of pregnancy, you know, uh, like labor, you know, Mm -hmm. like unless if you deviate from that path, you have no idea what you're doing because no one's taught you. No. And also we take fertility for granted too. You know, it's like an assumption that if you're not super careful, you know, what you, whatever you do will result in pregnancy. And that's not the case for a lot of people. Um, you know, a lot of times it can be very, very challenging in fact to conceive. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Is it not taught as often as now we're learning that it probably should be? How big of a factor is having trouble conceiving, you know, is how big of an issue is it? it you know, is there a percent of people that have trouble conceiving or how so does it, it work? It depends on the age group. Um, but a good, you know, one in eight couples are going to have wow. some difficulty conceiving, whether that's infertility, whether that's recurrent pregnancy loss, you know, male factor, female factor. Um, it's very common. You know, if you're at a dinner party with a group of, you know, eight to 10 people, probably at least one, maybe two couples in that group will have had some kind of difficulty. They may not talk about it because we don't talk about it. You know, it's, mm-hmm. right. it's taboo, but there's a good chance that people, you know, have struggled. 
Well, do some people think they're struggling because it takes a month or two or six, or does it? Is it? Is that a normal situation that it just takes that long sometimes because you didn't get the right day or whatever the case may be? Good point. So generally, what we tell people for healthy couples under the age of 35, it's perfectly normal for it to take up to a year to conceive. So 12 months of, you know, trying unprotected sex, you know, it's not really well defined, like how closely you're tracking during that time, but it's normal for it to take up to a year. Fertility is kind of a numbers game. Even when everything is great, your tubes are healthy, your sperm is great, you know, like all systems are go. Sometimes it's just timing. Sometimes just the stars weren't aligned and it can take some time. You know, once you're over 35, we generally tell people if it's been six months and nothing's happening, go see your doctor because, you know, time is the ultimate enemy of fertility. Um, and once you're over 40, we tell people seek help right away. You know, even if you don't have any known fertility issues, it's good to get ahead of that. But yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, it's totally normal. If you don't conceive the first one, three, six cycles and you're under 35, don't panic. That may be normal, you know, give it a good year. And then at that point, um, then seek help. Time is the ultimate enemy of fertility. So for healthy young couples under 35, we recommend give it about 12 months. You know, even if everything is great, healthy, normal, it can just take time. You know, it could just, you know, be that it was timing was a little off or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, but after you're 35, we recommend about six months, you know, you're trying on your own for six months, nothing's happening, probably time to seek help. And then 40 and over, we recommend seeking help right away because, um, you know, you may need some intervention at that point. Mm -hmm. And we always hear that it's usually the woman. Is that usually correct? Like whatever, I think the first thing that people think when they think infertility, it's that it's the woman. That's always the assumption, but that's far from the truth. You know, it's, it's about 50-50, you know, about 25% of the time it's female factor. And that can be a number of things, PCOS, fibroids, um, endometriosis, ovulation disorders, you know, age. Um, about 25% of the time it's male factors. So varicoceles, sperm qualities, morphology, um, you know, various male factors, ejaculatory disorders. Um, and the rest of the time, it's kind of a combination of the two, or it can be um, possibly the worst fertility diagnosis unexplained, meaning there's no good explanation. You know, as far as you can tell from testing, everything looks good. Everything should be working, but for some reason we're not getting pregnant and there's not really a good explanation why. So it's kind of half and half, but we don't really talk about one half of that. It, there is, you're right. Kind of an assumption right. that it's always a female yeah. issue. <laughs> that was the only one good lesson that I learned in the handmaid's tale. <laughs> I just finished watching that and I, I remember when they would bring in a handmaid and they, they weren't getting pregnant and then they would get rid of them and bring in a new woman and then try it with them and they wouldn't get pregnant and they finally realized oh it's the man oh, yeah. right how could that be right exactly you know? yeah why, right? why don't we talk about it why is that such a I mean I know there's a stigma around infertility as a whole but I feel like especially like we never talk about men and infertility. We don't. You're so right. And I think that's because we didn't really understand it until very recently, you know, probably in the last 30 to 40 years. I mean, we've come so far in fertility. I mean, you asked me how I got into fertility. 
And, you know, I started out my career in labor and delivery, which is great. And I love it. I love, love, love being around birth and babies. But, you know, we pretty much birth more or less the same way that we always have. Babies come out of the vagina or through C-section. That's pretty much it. Whereas fertility, I mean, in the last 30 years, I mean, I can't tell you, it's just mind blowing how much, how far we've come, what we've learned, you know, the technological advancements, the lab techniques. I mean, there's just always something new to learn, which is kind of what drew me to that. Um, but I think, you know, prior to 30, 40 years, we didn't even really understand, you know, I mean, microscopes are a new invention. We didn't really know about sperm until the last couple hundred years, you know, since the invention of microscopes. So this is really like a new idea that men could be responsible for um, infertility. I just learned a new fact today that's a little bit intimidating. It usually takes women at least 13 minutes to achieve orgasm during sexual activity. So guys, don't stress about having to go multiple times to satisfy your woman. Promescent has been the leading brand working to close the orgasm gap with their incredible doctor-recommended products, especially their delay spray. Their delay spray is used by over 500,000 men and partners saw a 50% increase in orgasms when their male partner used the spray. Promescent also has amazing lubricants, supplements, condoms, massage oils, everything to take your intimate experience to the next level. Over 2,200 urologists recommend Promescent. Now, you can enjoy all the sensations of sex without holding back or worrying about finishing too soon. Visit this episode's description to get the link and get an exclusive 15% off your order. Promescent doesn't require a prescription and comes in completely discreet packaging. It's time for us all to start talking about the orgasm gap because there are ways that we can all make sex better between ourselves and our partners. And that's where Promescent comes in. Again, visit our episode description or visit our Friday 5 email this week to get the link and get your 15% off your first Promescent order. If you're tired of the same old puzzle games, start playing Best Fiends now. With Best Fiends, the fun really never ends. There are literally thousands of levels to play and tons of cute characters to collect. Best Fiends challenges your brain with fun puzzle levels, but it's a casual game so it doesn't stress you out. And that's so important right now. What's so great about Best Fiends is that anyone, any age can play. I'm always having constant competitions with my nine-year-old son who can get to the higher level, who can collect more of these fun, cute characters. He is always showing off to me when he progresses ahead of me in the game. It's really fun. We get to spend this time together. So trust me, you don't want to miss out on this game. So join me and millions of people who are already playing this fun puzzle game. Download Best Fiends for free on the Apple App Store or Google Play today. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. And it's so funny because usually it's we're researching everything about men and it's the opposite. We know nothing about women. But, right. you know, in this, in this particular instance, it's sort of like, oh, yeah, we'll just blame the women <laughs> instead <laughs> of finding out what the... Yeah, but on a whole, there's such a stigma. And, you know, when I was asking our community for questions for you and everything, I think a lot of people were sort of like... I got a lot of responses about I'm going through it or, you know, especially like I think culturally, there's a lot of cultural differences in some cultures. It's also really stigmatized, especially. Mm -hmm. Um, But they're saying I'm going through it. My family doesn't even know. You know, my parents don't even know. My friends don't know. And it's so hard because there never is there probably a time when you need more support than when you're going through that. But yet everybody has to not everybody, but a lot of people feel like they have to keep it 
so you know so hidden mm-hmm. and you know so what do you say to people who say I-, I can't tell my family or you know there's such a stigma it's such a personal decision some people will never ever tell you know I, I told you I work closely with you know third party um, you know cycles and especially when there's donor egg donor sperm involved I mean some of those things never come to light those secrets go to the grave um, or at least they think they do. I mean, nowadays there's genetic testing and eventually it'll come to light. Um, but a lot of people choose never ever to tell their families and friends when in fact, you know, on the rare times that people do open up, they usually find that they're in good company and they're with, you know, other people who've had similar experiences. And I think it's so important to talk about because it's a lot, it's stressful. It's a lot to take on yourself. It's an important thing to share with others and, you know, just gain insight from one another. Right. Do you think it's getting better this, you know, dealing with the stigma? Like, do you feel like with all this research and all these new methods and everything, do you think it's, we're on the path that like, it's, we're going to be able to openly talk about it in the next, I don't know, couple decades. I really like to think so. I feel like we've come a long way. I feel like there've been a lot of celebrities in the last five, 10 years who have come out and say, Hey, I've personally struggled with this, you know, here's my story. Um, and I think that's inspiring. And I do think that's helpful. You know, they, uh, oftentimes they get, you know, flamed for attention seeking or whatever, but I actually do think there's value in sharing those really deeply personal experiences. I think people feel less alone when others are dealing with similar issues. Mm-hmm. Um, another big question that we got is, are there signs to look for as you're getting older, I know you said like, you know, endometriosis and certain things that sort of may, you know, may cause it. Is it something that we're born with or is it something that develops over time? And what are the, what can we be on the lookout for? And when do you, when might you be, you know, showing signs that fertility might be an issue? So kind of both, um, you know, for men, I think it's less obvious, you know, men don't have periods, men don't have this like constant report card of their own health, you know, but for women, um, it depends. Some people have perfectly healthy, normal cycles, no clues their whole life. And then when they go to conceive, they realize, you know, finally that there's an issue and other people know very early on, you know, some people are diagnosed with endometriosis as teenagers, you know, pretty soon after they start having periods, they have pain, they have irregularities, they have bleeding. Um, PCOS is another one that you can usually tell pretty early on there's, you know, people have infrequent or regular cycles. What is PCOS? Mm -hmm. Polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, So, you know, that's where you have cysts on your ovaries and you have generally some hormonal imbalances that can cause some difficulty with conceiving. And so those are things where oftentimes those clues are there pretty early on in your teens and twenties. And that's a pretty good clue that you may need help at some point. So with people who have those symptoms early on, I always, you know, tell people, even if you're not planning to have children for the next 10, 20 years, just have that in the back of your mind. You know, you may want children at some point and it's important to touch base with your doctor and just have that conversation that, you know, treatment options now may not include children. So, you know, you can do medications where it's fine, you know, because it's not going to affect pregnancy because you're not planning on getting pregnant. But at some point, you may want to consider treatment options where pregnancy is a possibility. So it's important to kind of be aware of that, even if it's not in your immediate five-year, 10-year plan. Right. And then it sort of makes it easier when it comes time to discuss it with your partner. 
Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times, like, we did not, I mean, we had no, we, we didn't talk about it at all. And I think that's very common. Um, maybe, maybe now that people are getting married a little bit later, mm-hmm. maybe it's a little bit more talked about. But um, for the most part, I think that people just sort of go into it kind of blindly and without much, you know, talking about it. What do you wish that partners would, you know, would, would communicate about, would talk about when they're getting ready to go through this process, you know, go through fertility and maybe there's issues um, because it's stressful on, on a relationship. It's very stressful on a relationship. It can have a huge, huge toll. I think it's important to have a good discussion upfront about what are we willing to do and what are we not willing to do? And you don't always know that right away going into it. Um, but kind of like, what are our financial constraints? How far are we willing to go? What alternatives are we willing to consider? Um, you'd mentioned earlier on just about kind of what a disservice is, is a sex ed is, where we just make the assumption that, well, you can get pregnant if you sneeze. And it's not really like that. We usually don't figure that out until later in life. And so when you get married and you're in your mid thirties, at that point, a lot of couples are going to have a really hard time. So I think it's important to talk about, okay, well, what, you know, A, do we want children? B, how badly do we want children? C, how far are we willing to go? You know, are we going to set aside $50,000 for it? Are we going to set aside $200,000 for it? Are we going to consider donor sperm? Are we going to consider IVF? Are we going to, you know, talk about adoption? I mean, there are a lot of alternatives. There is not one clear path to parenthood. And depending on your financial or social circumstances, there are a lot of options to consider. And it's just kind of important to talk about what what you're willing to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, Also, I think that one thing that I would say to people, and I said it in the last episodes also, is that having the right doctor, right? Yes. Doesn't that make so much of a difference that if you feel like you can talk to your doctor and your the doctor's willing to sit down with you and your partner and talk to you both in a way that will sort of ease the tension and make it, you know, so that you guys can, can communicate better. I think that people feel like they pick a doctor, they go to that doctor, they don't do much, you know, researching about who's going to be the right one and they feel like they're stuck with a certain doctor mm-hmm. where... That's not really the case. No. I mean, you think about it. Fertility is really an elective procedure. Um, You're not stuck with that person, just like you're not stuck with your plastic surgeon. You know, your insurance, maybe if you're super lucky, might be covering a little bit of it, but most of it's out of pocket. If you don't mesh with your doctor, if that approach is not for you, go shop around, go, go get a consultation somewhere else and see, you know, what I found, I've worked with a couple of different fertility practices and you'll find wildly varying approaches. Um, you may have, you know, one doctor tell you that this is the right way and this is the right approach. You may go get another opinion and find that they have a completely different idea of how you should go about things. And one may not necessarily be right or wrong. They're just different approaches. You know, it's a new field of medicine there. We don't really have all the answers, but it's nice to kind of get different perspectives when you're going into it. Yeah, that's really my, that was my, I think our biggest mistake was that we did it. And I, I think that happens a lot. Like we yeah. just find a doctor and, and stick with it. May um, I ask a little bit about your experience? Kind of what were some of the challenges that you went through? Yeah, we went through, I mean, first of all, I don't think that the doctor ever really 
we had a very it was a very like old school doctor mm-hmm. um not a very good bedside manner i had terrible mental health issues Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember calling one day being really concerned at the beginning of the pregnancy. I later gained like 50 or 60 pounds, but at the beginning mm-hmm. of the pregnancy, I couldn't eat. I was so nervous. Mm-hmm. I was losing weight. Mm-hmm. And I remember calling and being like, I'm losing weight. I'm so concerned. And his response to me was, so go eat another cheeseburger. <laughs> like just no, you know, it was just really <laughs> awful. I know it's, it was, it was awful. Like they were yeah. terrible. And I was so young and everything. I didn't realize like, oh my God, I can go out and choose another doctor. This, this is yeah. not it. You know, I think I just chose whoever my sister-in-law went to or my, you know, friend or whatever. And that was it. But um, so to me, that's so important. And I also say all the time, I didn't have like, like there were no apps like Ovia or anything. There was no, mm-hmm. if I had a question, I had to call them. Like no yeah. matter what it was, big or small. So I'm sure they were sick of me. Like here I had so much anxiety. By the time I had called, you know, the eighth time that week, they were probably like, all right, she's got to chill out. <laughs> but had I had, you know, access to like yeah. an app like Ovia or, you know, the, I mean, the internet, although you have to be careful sure. there, yeah. you know, it, it would have been different. But um, it, it, that wasn't the case. So, you know, I mean, I'm, I, I'm so grateful that now people have so many more options to find out um, about stuff yeah um but then you know then we were we were okay when thank goodness when it came to uh, fertility because I think that it would have been really really hard on our I mean we we had so many issues with pregnancy and everything that that added to it would have been you know even more challenging obviously but um but once people got yeah, I was I was just gonna throw in there, you know, if we had issues conceiving, which we really mm-hmm. didn't, that could have been a big strain on our marriage because we already had oh, some huge. big strains on our marriage. I don't know where that would have led to because it leads to those discussions of now what what do you want to do if we can't conceive? Do we really, you know, what you were just yeah. talking about? Do we really want to have kids? Do we really need to have kids? What route are we willing to? Like, I don't know if we were first of all mature enough to have that conversation, <laughs> knowledgeable at all enough. I mean, we were young, we were kids, you know, we were twenty, you know, I say kids, we were twenty six years old, you know, I, by sure. I don't know today's standards, by today's standards. Kind of to start having kids. You know yeah. what's that? Yeah. Yeah. So I just don't, I don't don't know if we would have made it, you know, if our marriage would have made it, if like, you know, if we had different opinions on, if Danielle said, yes, we have to have kids. And I said, well, I only want kids if they're out, you know, whatever the conversation may may have been. Yeah. I don't know. So I'm wondering, you know, does having fertility issues put a big strain on marriages? Oh, huge. You You know, it it impacts your marriage and it impacts your sex life. Like it's huge. You know, one thing that I've found, um, working, especially with like donor egg, donor sperm, surrogacy, um, this is one thing. Well, there are a lot of things that I feel the gay community does way better. Um, but fertility is one that I feel like they've really, you know, gotten down. It's a joy working with, um, same sex couples. Um, cause I think they have a, just a very different approach. You know, they go into this, obviously they're going to need some assistance. Um, right. mm-hmm. but they know that they plan for it. They budget for it. They're excited. They're like ready to pick their donor and match with their surrogate. And it's like an exciting process. Like they just have a very different, 
mindset going into it. Whereas I think with same-sex couples, there's the assumption that it's all going to go well. And then when it doesn't, you know, it's stressful, there's finger pointing, it's no, it's your sperm, no, it's your uterus, no, it's because you're not, you know, around on, you know, during my fertile window, and you're not trying hard enough. And it's, well, you didn't save enough money. You know, there's a lot of that, like, finger pointing and blaming. And, um, you know, it can be, you know, it can really be ugly. And, and some <laughs> right. marriages well, it makes sense. I mean, from, a, you know, from a, for a same sex couple, you know, that's an exciting thing. They're prepared, they're knowledgeable. Like, they, yeah. This is what they expect each other to, if they want to have kids to do, you know, for, yeah. for, you know, heterosexual couples, it's a last resort. It's not yes. what they were intending to do. So they don't look at it with excitement. I would assume, you know, it's more of, no. a, you know, we, this is not what we expected. This is not what we wanted. So it becomes a, you know, right. Like it's the like, marriage, I would assume. Right. It's like, oh, well, we saved all this money for this really nice house, but I guess we're going to be spending on that on uh, fertility treatments now. You know, it's it's not right. the plan. It's like plan B, plan C is what we're at. So Yeah. And I think the shared, um, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe one partner doesn't download the app. Maybe both partners download the app. Maybe both partners do the research and sit down mm-hmm. together. Like I think a lot of times, in this situation, I'll be honest, I think it probably falls a lot on the woman, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there's also a lot of animosity and everything and the fact that she's taking the brunt of the mental load of all of it. Yeah, yeah. And it's so hard, you know, especially now, I feel like with COVID, it's even harder, you know, before you could say to couples who were struggling, like, well, be supportive, go be there, go to her all her monitoring appointments, and you can't even do that right. now, you know? Right. So it's right. really hard to find ways to support each other and supporting each other means something different for everybody. You know, I've seen couples where, um, you know, it's turned out that one person, you know, maybe it's the wife who has diminished ovarian reserve and they need to go to egg donor and the husband will be like, great. Well, you know what? I don't need a genetic link to this child either. Let's just do donor sperm, a donor egg and call it a day. And that's their way of showing support, you know, for others, it's just, you're learning how to give injections and, you know, being there for your spouse every day to give the daily injections. You know, there are lots of little ways that you can show support and, you know, be on the same page, but it's, you know, it's hard. It's really hard for two people to be on the same page with what the right approach is. Right. No, definitely. What other resources and everything do you recommend for people who are going to start going through either IVF or is it IUI? Is that what it's? The, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Um, you know, what, what other support or research or what can you recommend? Like what products does everybody need? What, is there anything that you would say sort of like in a, you know, quote unquote toolkit of, of starting that some people might not know about? So if you're like just starting out, you know, you haven't gone down the road of seeking medical help. You're just trying to like figure out how your body works and when you're fertile. There are a lot of really great books, um, you know, on the market. There's one that's been around forever um, by someone named Tony Weschler. It's called Taking Charge of Your Fertility. Um, Super thick book. It is not a light read, but it gives you all the ins and outs of cycle tracking, temping, how to take your basal body temp, how to check your cervical mucus. There, I mean, it goes on and on about like all these you know, insane details that you did definitely did not learn about in sex ed um, to figure out when you're fertile and how to conceive. Super helpful resource. Um, There are a lot of really good fertility forums out there. Um, You know, the website can be good and bad. Obviously, you can 
go down this rabbit hole of like really scary, terrible, inaccurate information. Um, but there's also right. like a lot there. of support. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a really great website called resolve.org. Um, that's an organization that's dedicated to um, providing information about all aspects of fertility, not just talking about the ins and outs of treatment, but financial support that's out there, mental help that's out there, information on adoption, um, just really, really good resource. Oh, that's awesome. Um, could you talk a little bit about secondary fertil- infertility? Because uh, that's a sure. term that I've heard, or I know a lot of us have heard, but you don't hear about it very often. Right. So secondary infertility is when you've had success at least once prior, you know, you've conceived on on your own, you've had a child. um, And then for whatever reason, the next time around you have trouble. And that could just be for a number of reasons. It could be maybe you have, you know, scarring and, and damage that's causing block tubes. Maybe you have a new partner and there's a male factor or sperm issue, or it could just be that you're older. You know, you may have your first child when you're 34 and you're kind of at the tail end of your fertile lifespan and you don't have too much trouble there. But then when you're 37 or 38 and you're ready for baby number two, you know, that ship may have sailed. Um, so secondary infertility just means that you've conceived previously. You don't have any, you know, previous known fertility issues, but this time around, for whatever reason, there's, there's some trouble. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So uh, what's, I mean, are your chances, if you've had like your first healthy, you know, pregnancy, baby, no complications, mm-hmm. Are the chances are that the second time around it will be? I mean, what's the percentage of secondary infertility? Is it? Is there a? Like, oh, that's it? a that's a really good question. I don't have an exact stat for you. Um, uh-huh. That's something I have to I have to look up later, see if I can find. But um, it's not uncommon at all. There are a lot of people uh-huh. who you know really didn't have trouble, or you know maybe took a few cycles the first time around, but do have difficulty, and they're very they're large number of reasons where that can be the case. But that's hard because I feel like with secondary infertility, it's maybe even more difficult to talk about because, you know, the response is always, oh, but you already have one. You know, you should be grateful for the one that you have. You know, why aren't you focused on your first child? And there's a lot of shame in that. Like you should, you know, like you're not entitled to a second one, you know, Mm -hmm. which is not true. You know, you know how, you know, when your family's done, that's, you know, that's no one else's business and no one else's business to judge. Right, I know that 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 was one of the things that we when we spoke to the uh, to the pregnancy loss specialist that she was saying she was like one you know I was saying what what sort of things should we not say to people who are going through all of this mm-hmm. and she said phrases that start with at least you yeah. know at least this or at least that you know that that there's no reason for it there's no reason yeah. to to even just you know being more supportive not trying to find the silver lining in everything sometimes that's not. Um, what it goes, what, what about, what else to, can we do to like support loved ones going through infertility, just, going through IVF? Just listening, you know, sometimes 
you know, when you hear of someone who's going through a tough time, it's your reflexive response is to try to fix it somehow. Like, well, what can I do? You know, what can I suggest? You know, do I know someone who knows a reproductive endocrinologist or, you know, do I know someone who's gone down the adoption road that I can connect you with? Sometimes those things are helpful, but a lot of times they're not, you know, a lot of times if you've thought of it, they've probably thought of it 10 times over because they're the ones going through it. So sometimes fixing and doing are not necessarily helpful. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just sit back, be a listening ear and just say, I am so sorry. You know, I'm so sorry you're going through this. Maybe if you're trying to be helpful, then, you know, something that might help is, Hey, well, let me watch your older child while you go for your monitoring appointments for your IVF for, you know, things like that, that are little, they're supportive, but they're not necessarily overbearing and intrusive. Mm-hmm. All right. I was going to name some, um, some myths about, um, you know, fertility and everything. Mm-hmm. And you tell us if there's, you know, if there's truth to them or misconceptions. Um, the first one is, you know, that people say, relax, the more stressed you are, the harder it is to conceive or <laughs> fertility is all psychological. <laughs> oh, I wish that were true. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, you know, it's certainly great for a lot of reasons to relax and try not to worry about it. It's good for your mental health. That's a great approach. It will not make you conceive any faster. No amount of relaxing is going to, you know, turn the time back 10 years on your ovaries. You know, no amount of relaxing is going to help your sperm motility. You know, those things are all really good things for your well being. Like, yeah meditate every day. That's a great approach. It may not necessarily put a baby in your arms any faster, but it's good for your well-being. Mm -hmm. Okay. And having more sex increases your chance of getting pregnant. Yeah, totally. No, I'm just kidding. It's not. (laughs) It's all about timing. Uh, (laughs) Right. um, Right. Because that's what you you think. 14 times a day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a timing thing. So, I mean, you could be having sex all day, every day, um, you know, 27 days out of your cycle. Um, but if you're missing your fertile window, then that's going to get you nowhere. Um, or you could get super lucky and have sex one time that cycle and just have it be during that fertile window and you're successful. Now, when you know you are in your fertile window, if you've kind of mastered you know, figuring out when you're ovulating and you're having a sex as much as possible during your fertile window, then yes, that does increase your odds. But just in general, um, it's really more of a timing, not a quantity issue. And you were saying before about like the woman who didn't know much about, oh, she was asking about, could she get pregnant during her period or whatever? (laughs) This question might sound similar to that, but Mm -hmm. it's true. I think that there is a lot we don't know, myself included. Are some women's uh, like fertility cycles, are some women fertile longer during the month than others? Everyone has a pretty short window. You know, for most people, that fertile window is like about a 12 to 24 hour period really that the egg is receptive to sperm. Um, However, sperm live a little longer. So sperm generally can live up to five days or so. So if you're having sex a few days before ovulation, that is helpful. You know, that does increase the amount of sperm in the reproductive tract that's there, you know, ready, waiting for you to ovulate. But the actual fertile window is pretty short for every woman. 
Right. And you, you wouldn't say to like people, you know, we're talking about tracking your cycle and everything. And when you first start trying, is it better to just try and not worry about that stuff? And then like eventually if, if you feel like you need to start doing that, or is that something that you think that people should be aware of from the, the beginning, even like before they start trying? I think it's important for everybody to have a, just a general idea of at least the basics of how it works. Um, I think if you have like a really, you know, anxious or like kind of slightly obsessive personality, I think you can easily get caught up and really stress yourself out with the detail. So if you know that you're that type of person where you're going to obsess and take, you know, four ovulation predictor kits a day and drive yourself batty, it may be best just to take a step back and be like, well, you know, let's just see what happens. Um, but it's important to kind of get, have a general sense. And after a couple cycles or a few cycles, if you're not um, finding success, then it may be good to maybe pick up a copy of the, how to take charge of your fertility book and learn the ins and outs of it. So you know a little more about the timing. I feel like I still need to do that. I mean, not that I want to, I want no more kids, trust me, but, but I feel like I still don't even know. I don't know this stuff. Like even when I was asking people questions, I was like, oh my God, that's not even a question I would think to ask because I never even thought about, like, I, I think that we are so, we are done such a disservice when we're younger, but learning about yeah. the body parts, but not really learning the intricacies of anything. I don't know. It makes me no. really angry actually. <laughs> well, and Go you know, most teachers. of us. A lot of us are on hormonal contraceptive from for a really long, young age. So a lot of us don't really have the opportunity to track those things. I mean, if you're on a Nexplanon or if you have Depo or you're on birth control from a really young age for a decade, you're, you know, you don't have fertile cues. Like you don't ha know how to track those signs. Um, it just kills me when, you know, I ask people about their cycles. I'm like, okay, well, what's your average cycle length? You know, are your periods regular? And they're like, yep, I have a period every 28 days, totally normal. And I'm like, are you on birth control? Oh yeah, I'm on, you know, Lavora or whatever. I'm like, okay, well, that's not really your period. That's not real. You're not really ovulating. These are not really clues. You know, your periods are regular because you're on right. birth control. You know, they just no idea. So it's probably better. I mean, I guess they, they tell you to do that anyway, but to be off birth control for a little while before you start trying or it doesn't matter. It's help. It does, I mean, you know, you, you can start trying right away, but you don't really get a sense of like how to track ovulation until right. you've been off birth control a few cycles. So during those right. first few months, like that's your opportunity to kind of start cluing in and figure it out. Mm -hmm. All right. I have another myth. Yeah. There's certain things that, that you can eat or diet to help for um, their fertility? Okay, so part true, part myth. Um, it's very important, obviously, to keep your body in the best health possible. So you're preparing to be pregnant. So you know that means eating right, that means exercising, that means avoiding alcohol and caffeine to a certain extent, um, sure. However, you know, we all know those people in our lives who do nothing except eat Doritos and you know Big Macs and they conceive and they have a perfectly healthy baby. So is nutrition everything? No. Should you eat well in general? Yes. Um, right. <laughs> but you know how you hear people saying like salty foods or, you know, don't eat spicy foods or don't do this or don't do that. Is there, there's no, there, 
that's not true, right? Not really. And I wish okay. I could tell people there was some superfood, super nutrient that would just magically make you conceive. And there just isn't. Um, there is a lot of interesting research about certain nutrients like CoQ10, melatonin, um, vitamin D that are positively linked with fertility. So it's a good idea to have that conversation with your doctor and just be like, Hey, you know, how's my vitamin D level? You know, should I be taking anything that might improve my egg quality? You know, those are good questions to ask, but there's not like a superfood either to eat or not to eat that will significantly impact your fertility. Just eat well in general. All old wives tales. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I know, I remember when I was trying to get pregnant, I remember a few of my mom's friends being like, you should, I don't remember what they were telling me to eat, but I remember them sitting around and saying that to me and being like, is that really, like, I remember being like, is that really true? Is that, like, I didn't make, make like a witch's brew. <laughs> the, the big one in the fertility world is pineapple. Like there's a, a, if you follow any fertility forms long enough, you'll see like, oh, eat pineapple right before your embryo transfer. You know, it has something that will help with inflammation and will help with implantation. And I have no idea if that's true or not, but you know what? It's like a thing, right? Now. Like go, go yeah. and chew on a pineapple for the day. Right. Pineapple's good for you anyway. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Um, okay. Another one is that female orgasm helps with comp- contraception. I'm sorry, conception by pushing the sperm up. Like if you're not orgasming, you have less chance of getting pregnant. If that were true, there wouldn't be no such thing as teen pregnancy, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's so true. But, you know, the concept sort you. of makes sense. Like, that it's, you know what I mean? That you yeah. think about, like, that it's, like, pushing it up. But Did you make this up? No, that's really, <laughs> no. that really is a myth. Is am it really? I, wait, am I wrong? Is that not? No, it's a, to- it's a total, uh, yeah, you'll definitely hear that out there. It's probably something that wives make up, like, no, you have to give me an orgasm. Otherwise, we won't right? have a baby. <laughs> I mean, hey, whatever works, but yeah, yeah no, intuitively that's not true, sense, right? Like the contractions to kind of help propel the sperm upward. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I wish that <laughs> that were true. Unfortunately, there's not any evidence to really back that up, but it wouldn't hurt to try, right? Right. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I heard that sperm these days have GPS and they can just find their way right to it without a problem. Yeah, okay. It's true. It's like a honing device. They just, you yeah. know. <laughs> Uh, any other misconceptions or myths that people talk about that you're like, you're just sort of like, oh my God, no, that's just not true. You'll always hear about like certain positions. Like, well, if I have sex in X, Y, Z position, is that going to help? Right. Or is that not going to help? Um, and there's not really ev- any evidence to back that up. Like if it's going to make you feel better to be lying on your back with your butt up in your air for a while after have sex, then have at it, go for it. But, um, but no, you can pretty much have sex in any position, standing, you know, sitting upside down, backward, whatever, and doesn't seem to make any difference as far as we can tell from the research we have. So. We fell for that one. I think we did. Yeah, we did. I feel like we did. You had me in so many different <laughs> positions. <laughs> but, but so putting a pillow under your butt doesn't help after like lifting up and you know how you see that There's in movies and stuff. <laughs> no there's not nothing. really anything to support that but you know what why not and some people even put like you know the soft cups like the menstrual discs they even put that in afterward just to kind of hold you know sperm close to the cervix as possible yeah right couldn't hurt right right yeah well it's true that like isn't fertility something I mean we are are we kind of behind learning about it as a society or as I mean isn't it just like 
I just feel like there's still so much we don't know, right? Definitely. You know, there's so much research being done. There's so much that we don't understand, you know, medically. Um, but just as a society, in terms of things that we talk about, there is a lot that we just are, are kind of clueless about. So I think it is helpful to have these conversations and make it less taboo and just, yeah. you know, talk and learn as much as we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess just, I mean, anything that you would say to people out there who are struggling or who are about to go through it? Um, I mean, advice or strategies or tips, anything that you think is helpful that they might not have heard before? I think it's helpful to go to counseling sometimes. You know, some of these things are really, for some reason, just hard to talk about face-to-face. I don't know if it's just embarrassment or awkwardness, um, but a lot of fertility clinics nowadays do have therapists who specialize in fertility and fertility concerns. And I do think it's helpful to do a session or two just to kind of have these discussions. You know, these are things that you don't even really, it doesn't occur to people to talk about, you know, when you're dating, um, you know, you don't go, well, what's going to happen if, you know, we can't conceive or, you know, how much money are we willing to spend? Or, you know, are you going to get jealous if we get a surrogate or whatever the case may be, you know, these are the hard conversations. And I think it's helpful to see someone who's familiar with these and can help to facilitate that conversation. Yeah. Well, we're big, we're big uh, proponents of counseling. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so, so much. I mean, it's like you said, having these conversations is so important and especially, you know, getting the real information, considering so much of what we've been fed our whole lives is sort of inaccurate. Um, Even at 43, I feel like there's so much I don't know. And, you know, I have kids now who I want to be able to, you know, share stuff with hopefully way before it even happens so that they can sort of be a little bit prepared. Um, And I think what you guys are doing at Ovia is awesome. I mean, I've spoken to you guys and you're just, you're all just so obviously so passionate about what you do. So thank you so much. You're so welcome. I know I, we have a great team at Ovia. Just every single person there is just committed to getting all this information to people and just supporting women mentally, emotionally, just being a good resource. Um, Just can't, can't ask for a better team. Yeah, no, it's awesome. And like, it's great. I definitely, people know I talk about it. and I recommend it. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, all the support, the better. So thank you so much, Christine. And, um, and people can, you know, go to Ovia uh, to search for the app in the app store and yeah. um, go to your site. I mean, you have a, you guys have a great platform and you have a great Instagram account too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Follow us on Instagram and download the apps. It's just a a great resource to help you get familiar with a lot of these things. Awesome. Thank you so much. You have a great night and a great weekend. We really appreciate you talking to us. Thanks, Danielle. Thanks, Adam. It was nice to work with you you guys.
mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com